I want you to uh, pay attention to this next video as uh, uh, it will set up what I want to share with you this morning. It's meant to be open, explored, pursued. It's meant to be read, reread, applied, and used. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, with wisdom life-changing to lead us on. It's made for guidance to teach us His ways, showing what's true, right, and worthy of praise. It's meant to be hidden deep in our hearts, daily examined as the morning starts. No greater glimpse of God do we have, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. for this morning, but we're going to do it again. Thank you, that was of the Lord, uh, to hear it twice, because again, I think that this is the word of the Lord, and we must hear it. We must, we must know what we're hearing and what we're reading and what we're receiving. So I want you to stand with me as we're going to read it again, and uh, that way I want your mind, and I think the Lord wants your mind to hear it over and over again so that you understand what is being said. So I'm going to read it from the King James Version. Josh read it from uh, NIV, New American, New American Standard. And, and I'm glad he did because I refer back to a couple of those. And you've already heard it once from that particular translation. All right. Psalms 19 starts off in verse 1 with a declaration about what the Lord has done. And it ends up reminding us what the Lord has given us in his word. So let's read it together, starting in verse 1. We're going to read the entire chapter, just 14 verses. So hear the word of the Lord. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth thy handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to be the end of the world. In them has he set a tabernacle for the sun which is the bridegroom coming out of the chamber and rejoicing as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heavens and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. Uh, the commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true and the righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is by the servant warned, and that keeping of them there is a great reward. Who can understand his error? Cleanse thou from me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent before the great transgressions. Let the word of thy mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer." Father, as we have heard the reading of the word of the Lord now twice this morning, reminding us, O oh Lord, that, Father, we need to, to take in and we need to be bathed in and we need to be showered over with the word of the Lord. And, Father, this morning I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and that it not be my word, but your word, O oh God. The word of God proclaimed this morning so that, Father, we might hear from you and we might see the ingredients that you have given unto us and how that they are to be used in our lives so that we might be what you've called us to be. Lord, now I pray that as we begin our time this morning of study of your word, that, Father, you have said that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives understanding. So, Holy Spirit, we ask, open up thy word unto our hearts, that we might rejoice and we might worship you for what you have given unto us today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
Josh did not know what I was preaching this morning, so I believe that it is definitely of the Lord and how the Lord works and, and how that He wants us to hear His Word. Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about a balanced diet of God's Word. We're going to begin a series on spiritual disciplines, and I want to explain what that is this morning in my opening and set up the stage for what I want to share with you over the next several weeks. So we're going to begin this morning with a question. How many of you have made some kind of resolution this year? Now just show me a hand. How many of you is in here? Anybody in here made some kind of resolution? You bunch of check cowards. All right. Some of us have made resolutions that we're going to kind of maybe get in shape this year. That we're maybe going to lose some weight. Maybe we're going to exercise a little bit more or just simply we're going to start eating a little bit more healthy. However, I want to challenge us not on the physical side of life, but I want to challenge us to consider our spiritual lives as well and to see how that we can make a, a, a New Year's resolution to get in better spiritual shape than we were last year. Alright, so that's what I want to do as we talk about uh, uh, this series over the next several weeks. I want to share with you some spiritual disciplines over the next several weeks that I think that we all need in our spiritual lives to be healthier, stronger, and most definitely ready for what life is going to challenge us with in the days ahead. We said in our Sunday school class this morning as we were concluding that we have heard the Word of God. We have heard it and we have heard it. Now it's time for us to start living it. So true. But we'll never live it unless we're in, in, engulfed in it. We have to become students of the Word once again. Now, let me just remind you that just as every athlete must train to win the event... Every Christian must make their faith strong through spiritual disciplines. Nobody can sit on the couch eating Cheetos for months and then hope to compete and win in any athletic event. It just doesn't happen. The best athletes, however, are intensely disciplined. They follow strict diets and exercise regimens to beat their body into peak physical condition. So when the game is on... And when the, the, the event is on the line, they are at their best and they are ready for whatever it takes. We know this to be true for our physical condition, but there is a disconnect, it seems, in how we think about this in our spiritual lives. Consider the words the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verses 26 and 27, as he compared the, the, the physical with the spiritual. He said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, least that by any means, when I have preached to others, I might be myself a castaway. The sad reality for many believers, for many Christians, is that they are unfit because they are simply undisciplined in their spiritual walk. Nobody drifts into disciplines. Just as the undisciplined body becomes sluggish and fat, and the undisciplined soul becomes weak and sluggish as well. That's why the Apostle Paul coached young Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 7 and 8, he said to Timothy these words, Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is some value, godliness is of a value in every way, and it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Yes, physical exercise is important. It's good, and it does something for the, for the momentary. But when we are training spiritually, it does something not only for how we live today, but for where we are going to spend our eternity. It is an eternal exercise that we need to be doing. The verse that, that I just read in 1 Timothy is simply the cornerstone of all spiritual disciplines because it spells out the purpose for the training for godliness. Every one of us needs to realize that the reason that we do anything in the Christian life should be that we're training ourselves to live a godly life before others and before the Lord. 
So the question is this morning, what are spiritual disciplines? Where are they found? Where do we get them from? These are some of the questions that we're going to address and some of the things that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. There is no concise list of spiritual disciplines found in the Bible. Actually, the Bible does not include a set list like it does our spiritual gifts. So I want to just kind of look at five of the, the, the main spiritual disciplines that every believer should have in their life. Now, when I taught this on a Sunday night several... Um, well, about a year and a half ago now, because um, we haven't done anything in a year, um, it, I gave 12 spiritual disciplines that, that believers should apply in their life. I want to back that down to speak to you about, about five of them that I think are important that we need to have in our life. So we're going to begin looking at those as we do to talk about the spiritual disciplines over the next several uh, weeks. All right, to get ourselves in shape for that which lies ahead. I believe that we are at a point, church, where we must get ourselves in shape for the, for the marathon of life in which is before us. If we're going to be the, the body of Christ that we need to be, if we're going to be the church that makes a difference in a world that is changing rapidly around us, the moral decline that we're seeing in our world today, in our own country today, we the church need to get back into physical, spiritual shape where we can stand up on the Word of God and stand the test of time. The, the, the Scripture says that when we've done everything that we can to stand, what are we supposed to do? sit down and wear out no we're supposed to dig in and stand but too many of us are so far out of shape that the the slightest breeze blows us over it's time that we get back into spiritual shape so that we can stand the winds of time and we can stand up for the things that we need to I believe we're being called to a call of action to be the Christians that make a difference in the 21st century and I believe that we need to begin doing that by understanding what are the spiritual disciplines that I need in my life to help me get into spiritual shape so that I can do what God's called me to do. All right? If you've ever been on a diet, how many of us, let's ask this question, how many of us have ever been on a diet? Oh, have we ever? Oh, yes, we have been on a diet. All right, so if you've ever been on a diet, you know that the things which are best for you have a tendency to taste the worst. Amen? Amen. I have tried it. They're horrible. All right? And the things which are bad for you or seemingly bad for you, those are the things that taste the best. I mean, those are the things that we just long for. Furthermore, the things which are bad for us seem to be everywhere and readily available. They're the easiest things for us to come by. Eating healthy is a harder thing to do. It seems as though that, that, that uh, there are more fast food restaurants than there are health food restaurants because it is just something that we are accustomed to. All right, so they're more readily available. While things which are good for us are not easy to come across and seem to cost three times as much. Amen? All right. Uh, there are many parallels now to these truths into the spiritual realm. We're going to cross both the physical and the spiritual, and we're going to kind of combine the two as we look at this. There's a lot of similarities to trying to, to get ourselves in physical shape that are the same as getting into spiritual shape. Just as it's easy to find those things that are bad for us in, in, in our physical diet, those same parallels are in the spiritual realm as well. The things which are bad for you spiritually, they which are bad for our soul, these things seem to be everywhere. I mean that you can't turn on the news, you can't turn on the television, you can't turn on the radio, you can't turn on your phone without it having the, the bad things right there at your fingertips. Um, no matter what we look at, we find that there are those bad things all the way around us. As sure as Krispy Kreme donuts appeal to us when we're on a diet, or a whole lot of donuts in my case, I don't go to Boone, I go to West Jefferson, whole lot of donuts um, appeal to our fleshly appetites, and yet they are not always the best for us. In order to avoid those things which are toxic to our spiritual health, and to take in those things which make us stronger and healthier spiritually, um, you and I have to be intentional in what we're doing. 
You have to be, in other words, disciplined. We have to have a disciplined life. It has to be something that we do, a schedule that we make, a something that we are intended on doing. So this morning, we're going to talk about what we eat, not physically, but spiritually. We're going to talk about our Bible intake, the Word of God. Uh, we're going to talk about absorbing God's Word, the ingredients that are found in the Word of God that make up for us a healthy diet of spiritual food. All right? And uh, as we go into the God's Word, into our lives, allowing it to nourish us and to conform us into the image of Christ. Therefore, Scripture, from the first through the last book of the Bible, Scripture is filled with admonitions, that, uh, uh, admonishments that, that admonish us about reading, but not only reading, not only hearing, but listen to me, applying the Word of God. Too many of us are taking in the Word of God, and just like anything else, if we don't do something with it, it does us no good. Eating an apple or a carrot, if we, if we say, okay, I'm just going to sit on my couch and eat apples and carrots, that's not going to make us any healthier. we got to get up and do something with that apple and carrot in us. Same thing with the Word of God. We need to uh, read it, we need to hear it, and then we need to apply it. We need to get up and do it. Um, Christy, you talked a lot about your dad this morning in Sunday school, and I want to tell you something that he has said to me over and over again the many years that I had the privilege of knowing him. He said, it's always good to pray, but he said, get up off your knees and put feet to your prayers. He told me that many, many times. The same thing with the Word of God. He said, it's great to read the Word of God, but you've got to apply the Word of God. He was telling a young preacher, myself, how that I should be admonishing the Word of God, not just taking it in, but living it out. And so I tell you this morning, we need to not only hear the Word, we need not only to read the Word, but we need to be applying the Word. James says, what good does it do us if we only hear it? and we're not doers of it, all right? So uh, in the beginning, God spoke, and the world was created. God's Word is so powerful that it can make something out of nothing. In the Garden of Eden, it was a violation of God's Word which led to the fall of humanity. When Israel made its covenant with God, God told them to be diligent to do all that He had told them and to teach His law to their children. Why? So their children would hear it and apply it and do it. So it wouldn't be just one generation doing it, but it would be generation after generation diligently doing what God had told them to do. David devotes entire psalms to the Word of God. When uh, um, revival broke out in Israel in the time of Nehemiah, it was because Ezra stood in the street and he read the Word of God to the people for hours. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, what did he use to rebuke Satan? He told the, the Satan that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He said it is the word of God that will keep us on the right path. It is the word of God that produces faith and leads us to salvation. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Nothing is as important to our spiritual growth is uh, that of a believer is a regular intake of spiritual food called the Word of God. So here we are in Psalms 19. In Psalms 19, the first part of the Psalms, the first six verses, are dedicated to God's revelation of Himself to humanity. Most of us have heard before today that verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show His handiwork. The first six verses of the song speak to us about God's revelation of who He is through nature. God is always about the business of revealing Himself to man, His crowning creation. So, it, that no one can stand before the Lord and say, I did not know God existed. 
My friends, there are always those who are saying, but what about those people that don't have the Word of God? We find here, and we find in Romans, that the Word of God has been given to us, but yet before the Word of God was ever given to us, that in which we look at every day when we get up and we look outside, the very sun rising and the very sun setting, the, the, the moon and the stars, and, and I was out last night and what a beautiful sky it was shows me that there had to be a God who created it all. It shows me that this didn't just happen, but an a intelligent being created everything that it was so that I might know that I stand in the presence of someone greater than myself. And therefore, I am reminded that God is also placed within me and within you and within every human being, a moral compass that looks without ourselves to something greater than we are, and that is God. But we have the Word of God. We have the very Scripture that teaches us. And so uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since creation of the world, His invisible attributes are attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. As we deal with the Scripture intake this morning, as a spiritual discipline of our life, we're going to begin by looking at what the Bible tells us about itself and the role that it plays in the life of a believer. I want us to focus in this morning. We're going to look at uh, verses 7 through 14 when it's all said and done. But this morning, we're going to just focus in on, uh, on verses 7 through 9. And we're going to talk about a balanced diet of God's Word. But I want us to really look at what are the ingredients of God's Word that make it a balanced diet. So we're going to begin there this morning by looking at some ingredients that the psalmist gives to us, six different ingredients that are found in the Word of God that we can uh, know are there to help us. You know, if you go to a nutritionist, they're going to tell you that these are some things that you need to eat, certain fruits, certain vegetables, certain things that you should eat if you want your body to be cleansed and, and, and you want your, your body to become healthier. I'm telling you, if you want your spiritual life to be better and balanced and healthier, there are six ingredients that we find here in Psalms 19 that we need to make sure are applied to our life so that we can begin that process of cleansing and purifying and making right our spiritual lives. So, if you will, let's begin at verse 7, and we're going to look at the nutritional value of God's Word. There is a nutritional value that we have every time that we spend time in the Word of God. Over the last several weeks, I've had several folks talking to me and asking about reading the Word of the Lord. Uh, we've talked about it in our Thursday Bible study. We've talked about it, and I've talked about individuals. And, and we've talked about the fact that there is a, a help that we have before we are ever to spend time in the Word of God. It is the prayer that I encourage people to pray that we would ask the Holy Spirit who has been given the instruction of God to be the, the, the one who gives us the understanding of the Word of God. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us that understanding this morning as we look into your Word. For without the help of the Holy Spirit, we are looking at the Word of God through the eyes of natural man and we will not understand. We need Him to translate. We need Him to uh, give to us the interpretation of the Word of God so that we can have what we need to have a nutritional meal when we pick up the Word of God. All right, so we're going to talk about the nutritional value of the Word of God. The, the, uh, the first one is found, the first ingredient is found in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I want to talk about the idea of perfect. Now, what is it that the psalmist is trying to get us to see when he talks about the word of the Lord uh, is perfect, which is what converts the soul? That means it is without blemish. And it is complete. It is lacking nothing. Can I just remind you that the Word of God does not need any outside help? The Word of God does not need another book. The Word of God does not need for any other translation. It is the Word of God. It is without 
fail. It is the complete Word of God. It's all that you and I need. And the psalmist reminds us that it's without blemish. It is no mistakes. There is no failures. There is no lacking. It has everything that we need. It is complete, lacking nothing. Perfection here simply speaks of wholeness, that, that it has lost nothing even after 2,000, 3,000 years of being around. It is still as important today as it was the day that God gave the word to us. All right? Uh, it is perfection is based upon that which uh, um, all other characteristics of God's word is found. Within God's word, we find everything we need to know about who God is and who we are. It tells us about our devastating effects of sin, and it talks about His perfect sacrifice of His Son, our Savior. It tells us of all that we need to know about eternity and about how we can come into fellowship with God when we find we're out of fellowship. It is complete. We don't need any other testimony, as the Book of Mormon says, that they have given to us. It is the completed Word of God. No, this, my friends, is the completed Word of God. We don't need a watered-down version of the Word of God. We need what the Word of God says. We need a true witness of the Word of God. Like that, uh, uh, oftentimes in the world today, says that we need to compromise the Word of God. We need, to, we need to set aside what the Word of God says. We need to allow certain things to go on in our world so that, that everybody can feel loved, everybody can feel special, everybody can feel apart. Well, listen, my Bible tells me that God said there is two roads. Some of us are going down the wrong road, and it leads to hell. And some of us have found our way and God has put us on the right road that leads to heaven. There are some things that we cannot compromise in the Word of God because we are on the right road. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way. God said He is the way. And that comes from the Word of God. Uh, so we see that, that we don't need to water down the Word. We need God's perfect Word that restores the soul. Now what does it mean? The word converting or restoring in the Hebrew means to revive. It means to bring back to life. It means taking something that was dead and making it alive again. It means to return. It is in the idea that we have repented, that we have made a change in our life. It means it can cause the believer to be renewed and the lost person to be reborn. As God's Word is perfect, its effects to our soul, who reads it and applies it, it too. It calls us back into a right, right relationship with God. It restores, it, re, it returns us to God. It is what God means by that which He says He draws us back into a right relationship with Him. This is a constant necessity in our spiritual life. Amen? None of us continues any perfect life. We all mess up. And that's why my favorite verse in the Bible is 1 John 1, 9. And he says to us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Meaning when I mess up, I don't have to think that I'm all done. God can't use me. But when I come back to him, he restoreth my soul. He gets me back in the right relationship with Him. And this is the one function of God's Word, to restore us into a right relationship. It is perfect. It is complete. It is all we need to be right with God. But the second thing the psalmist says to us is that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, I want to look at the word sure. The second ingredient is that of surety. In the NIV, it says the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. Now, I like that word because it, it just kind of gives us an understanding of what the word sure means. It, it, we are on sure footing. We can trust the ground in which we're standing on. We can apply it and we can rely upon it. When all around us is, uh, there is a conflicting message as to what is truth, God's word does not change. It is sure. 
It is trustworthy. It's unchanging. It hasn't changed. God, as Christy said this morning in Sunday school, God is the same as He was in the Old Testament as He is today in the New Testament, as He is today in, in, in our 21st century. God hasn't changed. He's just revealing more and more of Himself in a way to us that we can better understand who He is. The ground in which we stand upon, when we stand upon the Word of the Lord, is sure. It's trustworthy. It's unchangeable. But let's look at the word simple. Because it says the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In the Hebrew, it is more than uh, more aligned up to the word that we get our word naive. It, it, it's our English word for simpleton. It, it does not speak of one who is incapable of understanding knowledge, nor does it speak of one who is unwilling to receive knowledge, but simply of one who is lacking yet in receiving that knowledge. In other words, I am uneducated, but I am working towards my education. I'm trying to learn more every day from God and His Word. So it's not that I can't learn, it's not that I don't want to learn, it's that I haven't yet learned. But yet God says it takes the wise and brings it down to the level of where we are. That's why the Word of God is considered a living Word, because it speaks to our hearts where we are. Every one of us in this room and every one of us that are watching today, we're all at different spiritual levels. We're all at a different place in our walk with Christ. But yet the Word of God speaks directly to us. It doesn't just speak to the masses and say, if you're not here, catch up. Or if you're ahead of us, get back here. No, it says it speaks to where we are in our relationship with Christ. The whole goal of it is to, to make us more like Him. The ideal here is for those who are truly looking for answers, who are coming to Scripture with an open mind, God will reveal Himself in such a way through His Word, and it will make them wise. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given unto him. And of course, Psalms 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The word of God is sure. It is a true witness unto us. It, it will instill within an open-minded reader a fear for God, which is the beginning of our wisdom of who God is. And as we fear God, our, our fear grows, and so does our relationship and understanding of who He is and how He works and how we should work for Him. This, too, is part of our spiritual deployment. God's Word makes us wise so that we can go out and live it. Without it, we will stumble around in the foolishness of our own thoughts and desires. And then the third ingredient that he gives us, it says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So I want to talk about the ingredient of right. And what does the psalmist mean when he's talking about right? He's not talking about I'm turning right versus turning left. There's an idea here, uh, and, 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 and the focus is on the statutes or the precepts that God gives to us in his word. The statutes or precepts is a directive which, if followed, will lead one to the goal of faithful living. It carries the idea of order or direction. Like a marked line on a road map, if we follow the line, we will get to where we want to go. God's directions, God's precepts are always right. They're always, they're marked out here in this word to help us to see our path unto righteousness. It is given unto us so that we might find our way through life's maze. There, there are always, uh, the precepts of the Lord are always right. It is impossible to grow increasingly comfortable um, in, in, in this world and be in the Word of God. We cannot. We must not conform ourselves to the image of this world. We must not allow the world to press us into its mold, but we should allow the Word of God to create in us a direction. As the old hymn says, He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught, whate'er I do, wherever I go, Still tis God's hand that leadeth me. 
I hope that it is the word of the Lord and the hand of the Lord that is leading you today. And what it says to us is that when we are walking in the precepts or the right direction of the Lord, this will cause a rejoicing of the heart or bring joy into our heart. Not only because they save you from the heartbreak, which is inevitable when we deviate from God's word, it's because they keep us on the right path of righteousness. God's statutes keep you in right relationship with God. God's word may seem restrictive, my friends. And I know that's what the world tells us. Oh, I don't want to follow God's word. He has too many rules. No, as a matter of fact, he has ten. The world has more rules than God does. The truth of the matter is, Kevin, there are more rules on the state books than God has in his word. Amen? Amen. I can't tell you all the laws that he has to know and follow and make us know and follow. Okay? But I can tell you what the Ten Commandments say. I can tell you what God says that we ought to follow. God didn't make it difficult. He didn't make it restrictive. Everything that God gave us, every commandment that God has ever given to us is not to restrict us from having fun, but to keep us safe from ourselves and the world around us. He loves us and wants us safe. He wants us to to not be defeated in this world. When you stop and think about it, if everyone in this world lived in accordance with the statutes of God, this world would be a wonderful place to live. There would be no violence, no greed, no war, no murder, no hate, no selflessness, no rebellion. It is precisely because people have chosen to disregard God's word that the world is in such a mess today. God's word gives us guidance and leads us into joy. It gives us a joyful heart. As, as Martha said, it gives us a reason to praise the Lord. Amen? All right, so the next ingredient that we find is found in the next part. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The next ingredient that I want you to see of the Word of God is the pure. The word pure here is often used to describe the purity and radiance of the sunlight, the pureness of God's radiant sun. This is in keeping with what Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is his light. The Apostle John in John chapter 1 describes Jesus as the living word of God, who is the true light who enlightens every man in the world. God's word sheds lights in our otherwise dark pathways like the brilliance of the morning sun cutting through the darkness at the dawn. God's word casts the darkness aside and enables us to see clearly. Through it, he shows us where to step, where not to step, how to walk, what to avoid, and that which way we are to go. It enlightens us. It illuminates us. It gives us light to the eyes of our understanding. How else can we see it if not for the light of the Word of God? The truth of the matter is, my friends, when we are looking at this world through the lens of anything else but the Word of God, we're looking at it through the world's perspective. It's no wonder we're discouraged. No wonder we're defeated. No wonder we're ready to give up. Because we're looking at the things through the eyes of the world instead of the eyes of the Word of God. My Bible says (laughs) this world's going uh, crazy. But it don't matter. I'm a winner in the end. Amen? I, I don't know about you, but all I got to do is make it to the end. And then I've got a heaven waiting for me, a home above, eternity. I've got the, the privilege of seeing God face to face. All I got to do is navigate this world. And God has given me a light in the darkness, a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. So that not only can I see where I'm going right now, but I can see where I'm going to be one day. Amen. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes of those to see. Number five, the the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fifth ingredient that we get from the Word of God is clean. 
The fear of the Lord is clean. The word fear here is used as a synonym for the Word of God because as we have seen, the fear of the Lord is the one effect of God's Word that has upon our heart. Because we find that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. When we come to that place, now God doesn't want us to be afraid of Him like, like, like we are afraid of a boogeyman in the night. God wants us to fear in the sense that we respect Him. It's kind of like the reality of, of a parent says, I would rather my children fear me than just love me. Now that seems strange, but listen, let me give you a reason. Because, listen, when, when they just love us, they'll do what we want when, when it seems good. But if there's a consequence of that we are always there, we're always watching, that we know. How many of us have had our children say, does mom have eyes in the back of her head? How did she see me do that? Yeah, moms, you know what I'm talking about. You see, when, when they know that, that everything that we do is, is brought to light, there's a fear about that. There's a reality that says, I respect her for I know that she sees. God says, I want the fear. I want you to understand that I see even in the darkness. I see you no matter how far you go, no matter what you do. I know what you're doing. And therefore, he says, we are to respect the, the power that he has. The fear of the Lord is important. It's the beginning of wisdom to know that, that God knows where we're going and what we're doing. The fear of the Lord is clean. That is, it has a purifying effect upon us and endures forever. It does not change. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 24 and 25 assures us of that. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of men, the flower of, uh, the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flowers also fadeth away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You see, the purifying effects of God's Word is that it shows us how to be in right relationship with God. And a right relationship is something that, that which endures forever. Listen, having a right relationship is not something that's just here on this earth. It's what brings us into the presence of God. And therefore, it's an eternal thing. The final ingredient is found in uh, this verse, in verse 9, the judgment of the Lord are true. They are the righteous altogether. So I want to look at the ingredient true. God's judgments are true. The word judgment here speaks to what God says ought to be. It is His judgment, His decision, His declaration about what should be and what should not be. It is not the world's declaration of how things are going to play out. It's not Satan's desire of how things are going to play out. It's not even how you and I want our, our country to be run. It is how God has declared it to be done. His declaration is, is what He wants, not what we want. And when God speaks, it is always true. As God reveals Himself to us in His Word, He tells us the truth about all things. He tells us the truth about sin about forgiveness, about heaven, about hell. His word is true. It never misleads and it never changes. It's never uncertain. It's never, I'm just not sure what God has to say about it. It is always true. In the ancient Near East, the pagans worshipped gods which were malicious, they were tricky, they were impulsive. They were always at odds with one another, so much that you could hardly ever tell which one of the gods was truly ruling the show. Which one was in control? Which one was dominant? You could never be sure if the story their, their priests were telling was true or not, because their gods constantly changed. This one outdid that one, and this one outdid that one, and this one has a different message, and this one says you've got to do it this way. But can I remind you of something? God is true. His word has never changed. What he said millennials ago 
is still true today. You can stand on it. You can count on it. God does not change. Contrast the old gods to David, and this is what he says about God and His Word. It altogether righteous, that it is, that it shows us what righteousness looks like. And in His Word, God describes righteousness. It gives us a true guide to how that God would have us to live our lives. It is true and altogether righteous. You know, if we want to make something good, we've got to make sure that the ingredients that we're using are good. We don't just go grab something that's, uh, you know, out of date, molded and mildewed and, you know, um, something that doesn't go in that's going to help it do better. Listen, the same goes for our spiritual life. If we want our spiritual life to be healthy, we've got to make sure that we're applying the right ingredients, the good ingredients. And those ingredients are found in the Word of God. So let me close our time with this. In a world filled with such uncertainty, with so many competing opinions of right and what is wrong, God's Word serves as an indispensable tool for you and I as believers. In it, we have a sure and certain word from God Himself that is not changed, nor will it change, but will remain the same. You know, sports figures read sports magazines. Political-minded people read political-minded magazines. Carpenters read house plans and blueprints. Doctors read medical journals. Yet there are millions upon millions of Christians, people who claim to be Christian, claim to be believers, but yet never pick up this Bible and read it. Never take time daily to say, God, what do you say to me today? What do you have for me today? If God's Holy Spirit truly lives in the heart of every believer, then my friends, shouldn't it, shouldn't it be that the Spirit of the Lord should cause us to hunger after the Word of God? If there's no hunger for the Word of God in your life, you need to examine your spiritual life today. In such a way of saying, have I quenched the Spirit to the point that He's starved to death? Or have I never been filled with the Spirit so that I have that longing for the Word of God? There are two things that we need to think about today as we think about our spiritual life. But here, let me again apply the physical. The fact to it is that a physical healthy person normally has a healthy appetite for food you may need a doctor. If you lose your appetite for food, you may need to call the doctor and say, Doc, something's going on. I just don't have any appetite anymore. The good news is that if that's the condition of our spirit today, Dr. Jesus is in the house. <laughs> I talked to one of our members the other day, and he said that tomorrow he's doing a teleconference with a doctor <laughs> because he's been sick. You don't have to have a teleconference with God, my friends. All you have to do is have a conversation. Open up His Word and He will begin to diagnose for you every ailment that is in your spiritual life. And He'll begin to show you the steps in which you need to take to make it right again, to make it healthy again. Dr. Jesus is in the house today for you. All you got to do is call out to Him. He wants to to take care of what is ailing you spiritually. He wants to heal your broken spirit. He wants to strengthen your weak life. If you're suffering from an unbalanced diet of the word of the Lord, take the prescription from the Lord, read His word daily, meditate upon it, and then apply it. If you don't know Him, if you don't have a hunger for the Word of God and the Spirit of God is not in you, then what God is saying to you today is that He wants every one of us to know Him. He wants us to begin that process by, by knowing that He has provided for us the salvation that we need. It comes only through Jesus Christ who died on the cross. 
He paid the ultimate price for your sin and for mine. His blood has been applied to my life and He says to you today, all you got to do is cry out to Him and He will apply that blood to you. You know what? We talked about this in Sunday school. It doesn't matter how elegantly you speak or how backwards you speak. The prayer that God simply wants is, Lord, save my soul. Forgive my sin. Make me a child of God. As simple as that, God will, if there's a sincerity of heart. And yet, God's Word says that He shows us every step of the way. Again, what I say to you is you get to know God and then He will reveal Himself to you. If you want to know how that you can know from Scripture that you know the Lord, you just begin to, to, to pray and seek His face. But there, there is uh, on the bottom of the screen for you our information. Please call us. Please text us. Please email us. We would be glad to tell you what God's Word says step by step. And how that you can have the assurance of your salvation. And how that you can know the Word of God is the power unto salvation. And it can be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Next week, Lord willing, we'll carry on in chapter 19 and we'll look beyond the ingredients to what the, the Word of God can do for us when we take all of its mixtures and we'll apply them rightly. For those of you at home, in just a moment I want to pray for you as I pray for those of us that are here that God will open His Word unto our hearts and that our spirits will be opened unto His Word. If you need to respond to Him, they're at home, I've told you how to do that. Do it today. Don't put it off. For those of you that are here today, I'm going to ask that you respond to the Lord right now while you're here. For when we put off things and we say we'll do it later, it's a great tool for Satan to get us to put it off inevitably. Do not put off what God is speaking to your heart to do today. Father, as we bow our heads and our hearts in the presence of the Lord, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would speak unto us. That, Lord, the, the word of the Lord in which we have heard this morning would, would challenge us to wherever it is that we are. That through the Holy Spirit that you would speak unto us, whether we are a non-believer seeking to understand how to become a believer or rather we are a believer seeking to understand how that we can become stronger and healthier in our walk and relationship with you. God, I pray that you would take the word of the Lord and let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that, Lord, that we would take the prescription that God has given unto us and we would apply it to our life, and then, Father, we would use it in our lives. Lord, I know that you will take the word of God and you will cause your people to grow in grace and knowledge of you. As we strive for godliness, O oh God, we know that it begins by having a healthy appetite and a healthy diet. So Lord, let us feed upon your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. For those of you online, for those of you who are in the building, just stay with me just for a moment. Would you just stand to your feet?